Good Monday, my lovelies. Before I start, I want to take a moment and actually uh, send love and prayers out from my family to everyone in Paris. We've been watching on the news about Notre Dame burning and just heart-wrenching and the devastation. And we're praying for rain and praying for safety for everyone out there. Um, doing the podcast today just seems so minuscule in the wake of something like that. But we are going to push on and just know that, you know, our thoughts are, are with everyone there. This is week three for the month, which means gaming and tech. And I've got a very special guest with me today. First, though, a little bit of backstory. Um, Whether it's card games, board games, tabletop, RPGs, MMOs, LARP, you name it, I've played it or run it. I love gaming and I've always wanted to design my own. When I went to complete my schooling at Full Sail, I had several goals and had decided that my master's was going to be mine. It was just for me. I'd been a working freelancer for more than 20 years when I went back and got my bachelor's degree. I wanted to apply for a job with Leica in Oregon and needed the piece of paper, so I completed my four-year online um, in about two years, I think, um, in my late 30s. And then I went. I had gone for visual communications and specializing in digital design, so it was easy because I'd been doing it for so many years. Um, and... Uh, I was 42, 43 years old when I completed my master's and my grad certificate. I loved my time at Full Sail. I cannot rave about them enough. Um, My master's is in creative writing, specializing in screenwriting for film, gaming, animation, and television. And then the week before my actual graduation, I started my grad certificate in instructional design and technology, which involves using current tech like tablets tablets and other devices and gaming for developing educational curriculum. Uh, During the process, I was involved in filmmaking classes and preparing various gaming documents, most based around my thesis script, Stalemate, which is the novel that I'm currently having revisions. Um, I got an award from the gaming department director, which was a total shock. It showed up with my certificates. So gaming has always played an important role in my life, um, sometimes life-changing. Case in point, 14 years ago in a galaxy far, far away, a Tereskazi master named Nicola Carissa was logging out of Star Wars Galaxies, uh, the MMO, on Tatooine, and I got a message from someone named Garantor, and he was asking for training, and I had three seconds to spare and canceled the logout and met him at Anchorhead Station. He was living in Arizona, and I was in Florida at the time, and we talked till the server shut down at 7 a.m., Three months later, we met in an airport in Tampa. Fourteen years later, married over half of that, we still game together. So my guest today is educator, linguist, and soon-to-be author Val Michael Salvaggio, my hubby. Say hi. Hello. (laughs) How are you today? Doing awesome. Um, Thank you for doing this with me. Uh, Really casual. 
I've uh, been looking forward to it and I'm hoping this is the first of many conversations. I know we've been talking about doing a, a podcast, something like Coffee with Panda for a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> so this is our uh, week three and I kind of already gave everybody the, the background on what my um, experience with gaming and tech was, or at least my gaming and uh-huh. that we had started out in SWG, and I think we talked last night about, um, you know, Guild Wars, and then WoW, and then EVE, and then City of Heroes, and Rifts. Many others. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I know you're playing, you're playing Arcage right now? Arcage, yes. Arcage is... It's interesting, and I go through stages where... I'll play something sci-fi and I'll really want like a space game or I'll really want a game that's you know FPS first person shooter where you know like with mechs and tanks and vehicles and things like this and then I'll go through stages where I just want to play something that's you know wizards and castles and you know warriors and knights and things mm-hmm. so, so that being said I have found Arcage and it was one of those games that I found because of friends that we had when we lived in Florida before and they were playing and but it was one of those games that you had to pay to play you know they there was a regular right. monthly subscription uh, they still do have a you know a patronage you know which is your monthly fee but you can play free to play completely now too if yeah, you'd like so I, th- I think a lot of the the games are going that way because i know with us um if all three of us want to play something that's like 45 bucks a month and nobody got time yeah. for that so <laughs> no no i think that's part of the reason why we got out of of wow really was you know a lot okay of things, we're playing I mean. and you know everything was cool pandaria was awesome the wargans were awesome and then it was like farmville like you were saying <laughs> It's like, do I really want to spend thirty bucks a month on Farmville? Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was. It did get to that where if you didn't have knowledge of the dungeons, gear to match, and just you know, you know, if you didn't have, if you weren't the kind of person that had common sense for you know figuring out what the layouts were and what the boss fights were and had the gear for it and, you know, knew what you were doing when you were there, you know, where you weren't the guy standing in the, in the area of effect damage, getting eaten alive while, you know, two warriors are trying to get healed by, by clerics or something, Mm -hmm. you know, if you didn't know the fight, (laughs) yeah, if you didn't know the fight, they didn't want you in their group. Yeah. And it wasn't, and then that's not so much an elitist attitude. That's just a, we want experienced people. And if you're not, then you're kind of out of luck. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it too is, you know, we all have busy lives and work schedules. And so we have limited time when we do get a chance to get in game and we don't want to waste our time, you know, three hours looking for group or waiting for everybody to coordinate one time to get in to be able to go run a dungeon or something like that and I know you would you early on with WoW had computer issues so you know 
Oh. <laughs> trying to run a dungeon was, was really was, hard for you because I, you wouldn't be able to lucky heal people. To get 10 frames before we upgraded my system. Yeah. So you know, now not so much. I so you didn't jump in on the dungeon stuff because you didn't want the the whole party to get wiped because you weren't able to heal everybody. <laughs> I just couldn't pay attention when the screen is like half frozen, yeah. you know. And if I'm the one that is supposed to be casting the heal spells, then that's like the last person you want to have lag issues. Yeah. So I ended up being the more of the PvP person and running the dungeons and stuff, and I know you were more the explorer, adventurer, quester, you know, running around doing all the quests and stuff. I ran I ran all my dailies all the time and and I did actually PvP. Um, in fact, with WoW in particular, the only gear that I had was a full suit of like top tier PvP gear. Yeah. But that because was dungeon running instead. That wasn't or that wasn't dungeon, that was um that was the PvP instances. Only. The it instances. had stats for standing up against players, not against, you know, the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they geared their they they set their gear up that way. You either had dungeon and PvE gear and then there was a whole nother two, I think two stats that went towards you being able to take damage from players and also dish out damage to players. Yeah. See, you, you know, so. you've always been, you've always been, it, this is kind of the difference between the two of us is my brain does not hold all the information that yours does with, um, you know, terminology and stats and this, that, and the other. And I just, I go in to play and, you know, and get de-stress, <laughs> de-stress and hang out and, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And you're in there with very specific, like, you know, very specific goals and very specific, um, you know, like you just said with your armor and how you, how you do stuff you're very system uh systematic about it uh-huh and um very that is definitely not me <laughs> but um one of the other things that we love doing is minecraft which i actually got into first through full sale because it was part of um the graduate certificate instructional design and technology graduate certificate which was using current tech and gaming to create educational curriculum so I got in and then I got you or Bella in next I think I got you in next and then Bella we added later yeah and uh, we did the single players and the multiplayers uh, servers for a long time and then went to realms and now we play on um block hermit occasionally but they're getting ready to do the 1.14 upgrade here probably in the next couple of months i would think um <clears throat> with the way that they're talking about the pre-releases so i'm kind of hesitant after we did that huge build to do anything huge again until we go ahead and upgrade because i'm hoping that'll be the you know, I want to see it progress further, but it's hard when you're on a server where you have to, you can't just upgrade the server to the, whatever the next release is. You have to kind of just start over. So, mm -hmm. 
Well, it's like when we got it onto Block Hermit, when we got onto the, the one that we could all play on and together, they were notorious for building big projects. Oh my gosh, they were huge. And <laughs> Apollo ta- alone. And I mean, uh, Apollo awesome. alone looked like, you know, Cape Canaveral. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, the, the, the rocket going, you know, like it was ready to get launched into space and everything. It was massive. Yeah, just the new town hub and all that just was but so But we impressive. put together that castle. <laughs> I mean, granted, it was the bare bones of the exterior of this castle in about two weeks. Yeah, probably less than that. I think the majority of it yeah. we did. And, probably and then I just continued to work on it off and on like several days a week. You know, working on the, you know, the, the terracing and the the catwalks and everything, and working on the detail on the outside of the structure, and or working portcullis, and then when the, <laughs> redstone. oh yeah, the, the redstone functional portcullis and everything, <laughs> that was and, cool. In my treehouse indoor, it actually it actually <laughs> functioned. Yeah, it actually worked. Treehouse village, and and then when they updated to the one thirteen. I think it was 113 with the water yeah. mechanics and everything yeah uh they could not update to that without resetting wiping, everything basically. wiping the server resetting everything and making you basically start from scratch yeah except for well we also had know, the, the norwegian one, area too that whole the, scandinavian the one, field oh the i that was the one part i wish i could have hung on to yeah honestly i would have been with fine if i'd just everything. been able to hang on to the viking longhouse yeah know? Well, I built and the longhouse, and it really wasn't that big of a deal, except for the roof. The roof on that thing was insane. That, that oh, took yeah. me a little bit. That was math. <laughs> well, it was definitely, you know, Which, designed, of... designed specifically, you know, with a particular shape in mind. So mm-hmm. having done that, uh, it took a lot more calculation to get it just right the way you wanted it to look. Yeah. So I think there was only one time where I had to redo one section of it, but for the most part, I had it plotted out, you know, pretty good. Um, especially considering I did that part last. Um, but speaking of math, <laughs> it was actually when I got um, Bella, my daughter, into it. Uh, her multiplication tables went through the you know skills went through the roof um and that was actually part of my degree program was being able to use gaming for education and i i know that most educational institutions now they focus on facts and information um it used to be rote memorization a lot to pass tests and the tests are inaccurate as far as i'm concerned with evaluations of who and what the student can do um yeah you know who they are as as people and they don't spend enough time if any at all on actual problem problem solving and i think that's where gaming can actually you know come in handy and not to mention if you're having fun you remember it more and it just yes. yeah and i just i think that's part of the reason too why we've been um i know you've been teaching a world building on out school and I have a lot of fun with that. Oh, yeah. And if you're having fun, they're having fun. And honestly, I think the retention's a lot higher because you go into a lot of real history stuff, too. Yes. Yes, I do. 
Well, with with world building, we we do touch on some regular history, and a lot of that I simply utilize because I equate it to people writing fiction. Uh, oftentimes, things that happened in history that really happened are stranger than things that you can make up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and of course, I'm kind of stealing that from Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Her, but her that is definitely philosophy. one of those things, though, that when you look at it, you know, there's some really dark history out there. And what you're looking at is you're looking at things that when you read them and you go, no, no, what? You know, and, but there's just some really interesting stuff out there. And when you look at, you know, I mean, lots of different places. When you look at, you know, you know, you know British history, when you look at the, the history of their monarchy, and when you look at, you know, the history of, you know, just papal succession in the church and, you know, how the Pope, you know, changes from one to the other and how it gets, you know, elected and, you know, how, what they do during their reigns and things like this. And, you know, like that year, that period in history where the seat of the head of the church was in Avignon, France, it was in Rome, and it was in I have one other place, too, I can't remember. But th- at one point, the seat of Vatican authority was, was Avignon, France. Mm-hmm. And... That is completely strange because, you know, the primacy of Peter is is one of those things where you have, you know, the Bishop of Rome. <laughs> you know, the, the, the term Rome has spoken, the matter is closed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, they didn't say Avignon has spoken, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but at one time in history, you had three different air places all vying for this authoritative ability to say, this is how we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And Avignon was one of those places along with Rome. And I, I can't remember what the third one was now. I'll have to look. I was but... saying, I know that's going to bug you. You're going to be looking that up later. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it lay there till later. But yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, history's strange. Well, with you know, our, and... within our own history, um, pertaining especially to, to gaming what what's one of the earliest i'm going to sh- kind of shift gears back to to topic yes. what's the one game looking back earliest memories what are what are some of the earliest games that really influenced your interest and in, and in what really sparked you know early on whether it's like a board game or a video game or oh um you know with me we grew up we growing up i was playing cards after dinner every night in board games and we did you know all that kind of kind of stuff but i was big into books and wanted to be able to create these you know worlds that people could get lost in and so that's kind of what led me to playing video games you, and different would things would you later. say mist is along those lines oh yeah yeah I, well, I, mist I'm is just, huge i'm just saying i'm just yeah. saying 
but like but that wasn't me, the first for me though yeah the first for me was this 2d side scroller game called indiana jones and the last crusade there was a pc game and it was mm-hmm. you know point and click kind of thing um but it came with a paper hard copy of Dr. Jones's diary. Um, just this, you know, didn't <laughs> the the inside pages were made to look old, and <clears throat> it had his drawings and sketches and stuff in it. And I was just completely enthralled with the because I loved the movies, and being able to you know, have the the book in my hand and see the, you know, kind of connect with that physically, not just through the storyline in the game, which the storyline in the game went right along with the movie, practically word for word. Um, So if you're like me and you watch a movie and you remember most of it, then the game, you know, gets to be easy. But that was probably that and Mist. Mist was definitely a huge. I am a major, major Mist head, and they actually have a new uh, game out called Forsaken that I'm. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. That I'm really wanting to get a hold of. Uh, for me, honestly, like if I had to look at everything I've ever played on PC, because I don't typically play a lot of console uh i did when i was a kid and i did when i was probably between the ages of 10 and say 14 maybe yeah i would say bella's uh, probably happy had, she doesn't have to I share had, it <laughs> when i when i had cousins who had one and we would go visit my aunt and uncle or you know my family and i would get to hang out with my cousins and they had gotten you know the system for like christmas one year so they just kept it out in the living room on the main tv and you know you know the parents would all be in the other room talking after dinner or during dessert or whatever you know all us kids would be piled in front of the tv watching somebody play like duck hunt or you know (laughs) excite bike or one of these others from from nintendo yeah we had duck hunt the pc games uh honestly the first one that i ever played on pc that was influential regarding world building uh would have been everquest just the original everquest mm-hmm. um that you know had come out in gosh what was it 96 or something like that 98 something like that mm-hmm. and i want to say 98 because they were celebrating like what 20 years sounds about they right. were celebrating 20 years this year or something like that of everquest so so I, I was playing that with, you know, some roommates at the time, and it progresses from there. I was, you know, usually a healer. I was usually an elf or something that wasn't human. And just exploring those worlds and, you know, being in that fantasy setting where you could run around and you have this wide open world to just run around and go wherever, wherever the game would load you into, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I know you like I, um, the uh, not Neverwinter Nights, Morrowind. Morrowind. I know you like the Elder yes. Scrolls. Elder Scrolls is amazing. Um, I still actually would like to play um, that. I uh, hope, well, preferably on my computer. I, I'm pretty sure most of the time it's it. 
most of them are older old enough now to where their graphics are kind of hokey compared to you know Skyrim just, <laughs> just using you know playing playing Elder Scrolls 5 yes yeah, Skyrim on the you know on the console and being you know getting your experience that way because I know like Morrowind and uh, Oblivion I believe was the other one mm-hmm. both of them the graphics there's a modding community that that exists because these games didn't have graphics that are all that great they were great when they made them right but now if you go back and you play those games they look kind of whoa what is this you know (laughs) yeah so people it has this really healthy modding community that you know kind of refabricates the artwork and does a lot of things in in these games now to kind of breathe new life into the way these games look well, I and, think gaming in general, it's up the ante on, um, you know, music soundtracks and oh. the modding abilities that you have um, as a player, you know, Minecraft even too. But, um, you know, that and being able to tell a story in such a rich environment just makes you know, all the difference in the world. And they're actually using the games like with Minecraft um, to even teach coding at this point. And they're doing uh, yeah, Python. Python and yeah. some others. So yeah. just the benefits of of gaming in general for students. Now, I'm not talking, you know, Grand Theft Auto and some of these other really horrific games that just don't need, you know, they definitely, the kids do not need to be playing that kind of stuff it just to me it just propagates more negativity in the world but um you know the puzzle games and the adventuring and the exploring and the interacting with other people and um you know of course you we had the rule of you know two hours a day on the box whether the box was the tv or the computer or the xbox or you know Mm -hmm. It was, you know, adventuring and exploring in real life was more important than, you know, gaming. But I think with yeah the new newer generations in particular, there's a lot of that going on to where they're not getting outside and they're forgetting their social skills and they're doing, um, you know, they have more anxiety and they're more stressed. Um and they're losing mm-hmm. parts of their, you know, skills processing. And I know um, one of the games that I was really impressed with that came out a few years ago was a game called Never Alone that came out of the oh, Pacific that Northwest. That's actually started out with the Inupai Indians um, up Pacific Northwest. Alaska, I think, and it was the tribal elders were having hard times, uh, having a hard time teaching their heritage. Yeah, their oral history was being lost because the kids weren't interested. So they actually had a game developer come in and record all these oral histories, and they created this game called Never Alone that tells the story of this one. 
girl and her fox companion and it goes into spirit animals and it goes into um, the totems and and all this stuff in this rich environment and you unlock easter eggs which are actual kind of mini documentaries on the weapons that she's using or the the entities that she's running into or you know regular you know everyday tribal life and they're actually using that to teach the newer generations and pass on their histories through that so just gaming as a tool for education I think is just so huge but I remember stuff from games that you know I played years ago and Oregon Trail. Oh yeah, and if it has any kind of educational value to it, I remember that because I I have all of my senses, you know, immersed. You know, the soundtrack and the visuals and the storyline engaging me and interacting with the NPCs in the game. I remember that stuff. So mm-hmm. I think there's such a benefit to be able to to use that for gaming and I know there's a big stigma about gaming out there but I think everything in moderation um but often yes and what's sad is usually there's plenty of games out there that are educational that you can use for those kinds of things there are certain games that give all others a bad name yeah yeah, in in that regard, so that's what you fight with as somebody who's trying to be an advocate for gaming for education or gaming for gaming and tech for education. Is you know, there's so many things that you can do with oh, the best example right now I can think of is something like you know Minecraft, where um, I have built for all intents and purposes, what is a Roman villa mm-hmm. in Minecraft. I remember that. And it was it's, on the multi-server or multiplayer yeah. server. Yeah, and it is... I did the winery. <laughs> it is it is breathtaking. The vineyard. And, and, you know, it's... I mean, granted, it's not, like, you know, to scale, but the rooms that I included are not rooms that you won't find in one. Mm-hmm. You know, the rooms that I put in it are only the ones that I have found in textbooks that say this was a room that was in this you know building. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put additional rooms that had things in them that you know may have been more modern or may not have been there at all. I included only things like, you know, you know, like, you know, the, the culina, the, you know, the kitchen, the, you know, a place where the they would have kept the cattle, the place where they would have kept, you know, um, the milling stone, things like this, mm-hmm. uh, the wine press, um, you know, where they may have had a fountain, where they had the, uh, uh, the uh, impluvium in the middle, um, you know, to collect rainwater, that kind of stuff. So... These are all things that I included because I've read that there were oftentimes those things. Yeah, being a, an architectural nut, I thought I knew some of you know Roman 
structure, Roman architecture, but really watching you build and helping you build stuff like that really was an education for me, I know, um, and making sure everything was included. And a lot of times you would actually, because you actually, nerd that you are, play Minecraft in Latin. Um, yes. My husband is uh, 20 years fluent in classical Latin. Um, and the idea originally was to do a realm and do YouTube videos as part of a Latin course within Minecraft. So we were going within, through yep. and building things and labeling things in Latin. And of course, I don't remember most of it, but that's my how my brain works <laughs> anymore. And that's part of that's medical issues. But um, it was interesting to be able to walk around and granted it's not to scale but walk around in some place that actually you know would have existed in history and to see what a all the different parts of a roman villa and um like i said i added the the vineyard outside so <laughs> that part i knew about but um you know, learning the, the terminology and reading the signs. And you, um, we've used it for writing as well, too, not just fan fiction, but for, we've had, with the castles, we built catacombs underneath the castles, and you went around and made stories and renamed items that were part of the the histories of those people and and maybe you know so and so king died here and this is his story and we actually had you know all story this this stuff again. yeah we had all this stuff that you could walk around and read i i built a catacombs under the gothic castle mm -hmm. that i built on the realm yeah and in that catacombs what you have is these areas where you have these alcoves where the people are buried. And so there are these chests in these areas that have several items each. I took, the anvil, I, I took the anvil and I went ahead and labeled each of these items using the anvil to be something other than what they really are. And, and then I took a book and I wrote, you know, what those items are you know and, what, and you know, the why they're there why they're why they're affiliated with a given you know person or you know whatever the case may be yeah so, the amount of fan fiction that we have in those things you could probably compile and actually do one of these minecraft books that they're releasing <laughs> i know i have a a little one that i had started on um, but I think yours are, are actually written. You could probably go through all the book and quills that we have in those catacombs. <laughs> Already have a book done. Mm -hmm. Or or at least something like the size of a zine, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. can be can be printed off and maybe you may be brought to, you know, zine fest or something, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. So. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I had a, a history teacher um, in high school who told the best 
stories like that and we loved getting him off tangent all the time so in an effort to get out you know get hold of our attention uh, he made a deal with us that if we did our best to pay attention in class that the last 15 minutes of class he'd read us a 15 minute mystery um, and there are several books that you can that are actually entitled 15 minute mystery or five minute mystery um, that you uh-huh. can get but I think he was one of the reasons I wanted to um to be a writer, to be able to hold sway over people as a storyteller and open, you know, collaborative discussion, that kind of thing. He made, he made you think. Um, but I remember when he started doing that, I actually remembered the history lessons Uh that he had done. And I think that sometimes he would go in and, create lessons based on some of the mysteries that he was you know reading to us or or sharing with us not all the time but it was kind of connected Mm -hmm. I had a really good history teacher in college actually who he was this older gentleman he was Irish spoke with the you know the what you can only call the stereotypical Irish accent. It sounds like you know, my he, he medieval histories that, guy, medieval humanities he, teacher. This is exactly the, the what this was. This was you know history one hundred, so it was like Mesopotamia through the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. So we would get to these points in history, you know, somewhere between six or seven hundred C.E. and on, you know, down towards you know the 11th or 12th century and he would he would tell these stories about different you know sovereign you know crowned heads of europe and you know the popes that were in charge of the church at the time and these these generals or other people who had you know led military campaigns and but the stories that he would tell about these different individuals and the foibles of things that happened to them in their life because of history and because of their interactions with real life um, made it the most fascinating class to take for one semester. Yeah, my medieval humanities, uh, we had an instructor who came from the university uh, lecture mindset in Dublin from Dublin, Ireland, and it was one of those uh-huh. where you could ask questions, but it was afterwards, and it was, you know, you were there to take notes and listen, and, you know, we had the little micro tape recorder, um, because he wouldn't slow down <laughs> for you. You can ask a couple of questions at the end of it, but it was um, very much a collaborative thing where everybody get together and compare notes and you know, we knew who hadn't taken notes and who was there just to kind of mooch off ours. So we avoided those people, but we would get together and, you know, okay, I've got this and and this. Okay, no, I missed that sentence. And, you know, we would compare notes and everything. But, um, you know, being able to uh, have access to all of that now and really see with technology, really see his, history come alive with you know, these 3D tours of museums that, you know, I don't know that I'll ever get to 
to go to the Louvre, but I can go online and I can do the 3D walkthrough that they have. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and you can get up close to, probably closer than you'd be able to get up to in person, um, to, you know, all these works of art. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that just is soul crushing with what happened today with Notre Dame catching fire and you know yes. they have a 3D walkthrough of Notre Dame online and Notre Dame was actually on our side trip list for when we were planning the trip in 2013 to go to Nantes France Paris was our mm-hmm. side trip because it was only two hours from there and yes. just the thought of not being able to see that and I know that they're going to they have plans to rebuild but I know that the water yeah. the amount of water that they've been pumping in there and the fire damage the smoke damage and I just don't know what's you know going to be left so I, with technology and the ability to have you know scanned all of these things and it's kind of like being able to scan the library at Alexandria you know, mm-hmm. and having it, having a resource, having a copy of that, you know, wouldn't that have been wonderful <laughs> if we could have done that? Um, they're able to 3D scan scrolls that they can't physically even open and decipher stuff now. There was a they have a news kind article of tech, not too uh, long like ago that did it. Like x-ray style technology yeah. out there that, that allows them to... I think it's uh, kind of like an MRI. Like spectrograph a all of the letters that are on a scroll that's otherwise rubbed off mm-hmm. and they can piece the writing together from this image that they've created using this other form of spectography, I mm-hmm. guess, or whatever well, you I want know to the, call it. The, some of the scrolls were, were charred and weren't, um, I'll have to look up the article now. This is probably about a month ago that I saw it, but they, had these scrolls that were so charred that they literally couldn't even handle them without them just mm-hmm. falling apart. And they were able Crumbling to actually apart. scan yeah. 3d scan all the way around and be able to, um, decipher stuff off of it. So that, you know, being able to capture that history and, you know, the Vatican libraries being, you know, online or I know some of the collections, not everything, I'm sure, um, you know, having the ability to do a walkthrough in a gallery or in a museum halfway across the world without leaving your desk, <laughs> you know, just being all the resources that are available to us now because of, of technology. Even when I was in high school, I've got one, literally one shoulder a little bit lower than the other because I had a backpack full of books that I carried around all the time. And my mom still gets me, gets on me about it, um, carrying bags that are too heavy. But, you know, the ability to have all my reference material, um, you know, on something like an iPad and then having the books that I want in print because I won't ever get rid of my print books. Um, you and you and I both, <laughs> and Bella, I think half our our moving van when we moved from Florida to Kentucky was all books, but yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and we still we're still getting them. We get you know when we pass one on, we end up picking up others. Like with the book fest on Saturday, I know I brought home a couple 
um, from there, but just technology opens so many doors and I, I want to see it used in conjunction with books and with other materials, um, kind of like the augmented reality games where you're absorbed, you're immersed into it and using that for educational purposes. That's one of the things that I'm going to do with Stalemate, my paranormal thriller, is I've got a lot of historical stuff kind of woven into that. Part of the 100 Days project that I'm doing right now is artifacts that are muse real museum pieces that I've been um, scouring through books and the internet for that I'm doing a hundred sketches so that I have those for my protagonist's father in stalemate to add as a richer environment and that is a direct result from the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade 2D side-scroller game that I was talking about that's a direct influence is being able to have Gustav's journal in your hand and have a video game, you know, an iPad game that is historically accurate information embedded in this fictional landscape and having this piece in your hand that you can interact with, you know, and make it more real. So, but I think that's kind of all I was wanting to, to touch on for this first. We we kind of loosely loosely touched on gaming and tech this week. Um, this is the first time that I've had a guest on my podcast. Uh, always a pleasure. I'm slightly biased though because you're my husband. So well. <laughs> you would Thank hope you. so, right? <laughs> But um, thank you guys for, for listening and trying to think. Next week is projects and prepping for the next month. And then we actually have... So uh, Sunday's Easter Sunday. Yeah. And then we have Sunday uh, is actually brown coat bowling for us. There will be chocolate involved. And <laughs> <laughs> so we, we might get to, to record Sunday night for that. But I will certainly be dragging Val in occasionally for the podcast and who knows maybe we'll start a, a coffee with panda podcast eventually <laughs> now that we've got the tech figured out mm -hmm. but thanks everybody for listening and hope you enjoyed it and thank you for having me here talk soon of course so till next week may your days be magic and brightly blessed Live kindness, practice gratitude, and get going. You've got this. Be well and take care.